0: I wrote an article uh, that's going to be posted next week in the Queens County Bar Bulletin uh, about uh, the area of guardianship. And uh, the, uh, the thrust of the article was that there are four types of guardianship across three different courthouses in New York. We have guardianship in the family court. That's where one person seeks to be the guardian, like the physical caretaker, parental role for a child. No money is involved. Then there's the, uh, type of guardianship in surrogates court. There's actually two of those, an Article 17 guardian and an Article 17 A guardian. And, uh, the 17 is similar to the guardianship in family court, except it has the additional, um, Priority, obligation, the additional power of a guardian being able to handle money. Uh, And that's why you would file in the the surrogate court to get the jurisdiction over the money. If a child uh, inherited money or was uh, the recipient of a personal injury or a lawsuit, monetary amount, you might use that Article 17 Article 17A in the surrogate's court is for um, a parent of a an adult developmentally uh, disabled child. So that's for an adult guardianship, uh, typically parent to child, and uh, mental or physical disability. And then finally, the fourth type of guardianship is Article 81. It's in the Supreme Court. And uh, it also is commonly used for one person filing to be the guardian of an adult. The statute doesn't say it has to be an adult. And there are some cases where it was interpreted that it was a child. But overwhelmingly, commonly, it's used for um, an adult. So different types of scenarios but a person gets the adult onset uh, of uh, dementia or Alzheimer's or a stroke or some other physical ailment. It doesn't have to be that fact pattern, but that is um, a typical way that it presents. So those are the four types of guardianship across three courthouses, family court, surrogate's court, and Supreme Court. If you need assistance with any of those areas of guardianship, I handle it, my office handles it. When does a guardianship take place in the family court? Well, broadly speaking, there are several uh, ways to bring a guardianship proceeding based on the need. When you file in family court, it's because you want to take care of uh, a child. So a minor child under the age of Interestingly enough, in New York, you go up to 21. You're legally an adult, you could vote, you could smoke, you could uh, gamble at 18, you could enlist in the military, but the New York Family Court retains jurisdiction over a person until they hit the age of 21. And the person that would file this petition would like to be the guardian or caretaker and assume very much a parental role in the life of a young person. Infant all the way up to 21. Assist them with medical care, uh, securing a doctor, placing them on their insurance, um, enrolling them in school, helping them in all aspects of their life in very much the same way as a parent would. And that's why you would file in the family court. It has nothing to do with money or finances, just the care, the caretaking role of a young person. In New York, we have Article 81 guardianship and a guardian is the court appointed person that takes care of the property and the person of an incapacitated person. That's the setup. Question that I received was if I never marshal any assets or property and the incapacitated person passes away and I'm the guardian am I required to do a final accounting? The answer as in many things in the law is it depends mostly, 99 point some high percentage, the guardian is required to submit a final accounting. And 100% of the time, you at least have to address it. So there are instances where a guardian may request, make an application to the court that the final accounting be waived. That's what I mean by 100% of the time it has to be addressed. There are no circumstances where the guardian simply says, "I'm not going to file a final accounting." A final accounting is—it's uh, a mathematical accounting, like a portion of a tax return—that goes into a legal document, and it consists of the time frame from the last filed accounting to the date of death. So if an accounting had been filed for all of calendar year 2020 and the person, the incapacitated person passed away uh, June 1, 2021, the final accounting would be for the period from the last filed accounting to June 1, which May 31, really, right? June 1, I would would include. (laughs) It's not like uh, that I'm too good with dates or anything. I just recently had a situation where the guardian was appointed and the incapacitated person passed away not long thereafter. And that guardian had no time based on circumstances, right? Uh, Society and COVID and bank closings and needing a bond and having to take a training class. For a variety of circumstances, the guardian from date of appointment until the date of death of the incapacitated person had not marshaled any assets, had not gone to the bank, had not retitled any property not taken control of any asset of the incapacitated person. And in that instance, based on a sworn statement, the judge in the matter may be inclined to waive a final accounting. In the alternative, I have seen some judges that want the final accounting because the statute says a guardian should do a final accounting. The accounting can be very simple. It'll be all zeros. Assets marshaled, zero. Uh, expenses spent, zero. You know, all, all of your numbers would be zero. Picture filing a tax return uh, and not having a job. Right. so your numbers would be very simple. If you need any assistance with guardianship or filing of final accountings or motions, please reach out once a guardian is appointed, can there be a restoration, right, really a a cancellation, a termination of the guardianship? So it would be a restoration uh, for the person back to their life pre-court filing, pre-adjudication of a guardian. Can it in fact be removed? Well, yes, there is a scenario in which the person that's been adjudicated, an incapacitated person, can file a petition advising the court that there's no more need for a guardianship, that I'm okay, that it's in my best interest for the guardianship to be terminated and permit me to have uh, my own auto- autonomy uh, as, for, as to my person and my property. Let me see what the actual language is. A termination of the guardianship will be granted if the person can demonstrate that they no longer need a guardian. Uh, that and it, that it would be in their best interest to restore their rights to manage their personal affairs without the oversight or control of the court. So that's it. It can be done. If you need it, if you need that, please reach out to me. There's not enough guardians to go around. The queens and the five boroughs are experiencing uh, a significant uh, need for guardians. So in a an Article 81 mental hygiene case where um, the petitioner puts in to be the guardian of an incapacitated person, in each of these cases, a guardian Should they be successful, a guardian will be appointed. Often enough, it's a family member. However, there are people that don't have family members that are close, that have remained in the life of the incapacitated person, or have the wherewithal or ability to become a guardian. In Queens, there are a number of community-based groups that rely on government funding or programs, and they're overworked and overburdened. And we're putting a call out to the elder law community, to persons that have been Part 36 trained, we're asking, please accept a pro bono appointment. If every attorney that has been Part 36 certified. Maybe they now practice in surrogates court or in guardianship, but they do other tasks. If you are at all qualified to be a guardian, we are requesting that you accept a pro bono assignment. If you need any assistance, if you wanna reach out to me, frankbrunolaw.com, I'll give you more information about it. Received a phone call today from a colleague uh, recently, have been following my posts. I was a speaker at a seminar program that trained people to become uh, either guardians, attorneys for the alleged incapacitated person, or court evaluator. Several of the roles inside of guardianship. And a colleague of mine that completed the training was just appointed to be the attorney for an alleged incapacitated person. So my colleague reached out to me to troubleshoot the situation because he thinks it's gonna be contested. So the, the facts of this case aren't important, just the circumstances of a typical case like this is as follows. A person is in a hospital and is either no caregiver present, or no adult child that's involved, or no spouse, and the hospital becomes the petitioner for the guardianship. Now, it could be uh, that the hospital just wasn't being paid and sometimes that's why they initiate a case, prompt some action. Uh, I don't know all of the circumstances in this given case, but I am told that the facility filed and the person in question, the alleged incapacitated person, uh, said, I'm competent, I'm okay, I don't need a guardian. And that's why my friend, who's a very good attorney, and he was a good attorney in an adjacent field. Right? He, he didn't have specific knowledge or experience in guardianship, but he has been a litigator for a number of years. So it's, it's a new role he's assuming, but he can certainly handle it. So if you have any questions about guardianship, I'm your guy, frankbrunolaw.com.